electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Today, the U.S. economy adds 353,000 jobs in January, crushing expectations. This is maybe almost 100,000 over the top forecast I saw. Apple's Vision Pro hits the shelves, but is it worth the $3,500 price tag? Wall Street Journal's Joanna Stern. I wore this for like 24 hours straight, and when I came out, I was like, what is life? What is reality? And an exclusive on-site from Pebble Beach with AT&T CEO John Stanky. As you see, there's a lot of people around here that you get access to, you're able to do business with, you're able to create ideas with, you're able to solve problems for, which is good for our business. I'm CNBC producer Zach Felici. It's Friday, February 2nd. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. We're live right now from the AT&T Pro-Am at Pebble Beach. Andrew is at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We've got things to cover all the way from Wall Street to the West Coast. Andrew? Thanks, Bex. I uh, hope you guys uh, are doing well. What's, I'm thinking it's 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. where you are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, We've the, been talking a little bit about that. The alarm clock was 1.35. Mine was 1.20. But, this time. Uh, uh, no complaints. It, 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 it's a beautiful place out is. here. The There's a lot is, of things to see. The commute's nice. Yeah. It's like about 100 feet. I didn't have to go to a different state today. In January, U.S. job growth surprised with an increase of 353,000, blowing past expectations, while the unemployment rate remained at a steady 3.7%. The report reflects a robust labor market, but could impact future Federal Reserve interest rate decisions. Here's CNBC's Steve Leisman, along with Rick Santelli, to break down the number. This morning I told you there was a lot of talk out there about an upside surprise, most of it for seasonal adjustments. I can't tease out how much of this was seasonals at the moment, but the trouble is that you have surpassed what might be expected if this were all seasonals. And I would point I hope Rick can back me up on this because it looks like there was a massive revision to December from 216 to 333, as well as revising up November 182 to 173. I haven't had much of a chance to look at the detail. I did see that uh, professional and business services were up strong. Uh, You had um, uh, private education up 112,000. And leisure and hospitality just up 11. So a lot of that coming there. Government was 36,000. A lot of this was private sector. So I think a piece of this is going to be chalked up when we get a chance to 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 do some work on these numbers yeah. to seasonal 126, adjustment issues. 126,000 two-month revision to the upside. And you're right. February, early February, January jobs report always has some surprises. But this one, especially because of the pandemic, Rick, and what's happened with that, the last January was all messed up. And so the season was messed up. We expected that. The trouble is this is maybe almost 100,000 over the top 
uh, uh, forecast I saw that was already elevated because of the seasonals, plus the prior suggest we have some strength. And I'll just close it with this. Maybe Powell knew something on Wednesday when he said, you know what, March ain't on. Dow Component American Express has been led by Steve Squarey for several years at this point. He is here at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I caught up with the Amex CEO and talked about a very challenging time uh, in recent history. It was the start of the global pandemic. But while some companies were zigging and, and battening down the hatches, he took a different uh, tack on all of this, tried to take an opportunity and turn into something. He did this after speaking with a very big shareholder, Amex, of course, is a significant holding of Warren Buffett's. It makes up 8.3 percent of the Berkshire portfolio. Yeah, it's, you know, sometimes people say don't never waste a good crisis. Right. And um, I think during the pandemic, you were faced with, with a lot of challenges. And for us, the first thing that was really important for us was to make sure we took care of our colleagues and we made sure people were home. They were safe. In fact, we had probably six, seven thousand colleagues who had no Internet access um, but we kept them on the books. Um, that's just who we are as a company. And when the pandemic was over, they came back and, you know, very, very loyal to, to the company. And, and I think we should be loyal to them. But I think probably the most important thing for us is we really took a step back and said, our brand stands for something and our customers mean a lot. And I remember during the middle of the pandemic, it's the middle of April, things were really bleak. Spending was way down. Credit numbers didn't look great. You know, you started to see a little bit of delinquencies. And as we were doing our projections, it looked like we were probably going to lose about $4 a share. And I remember I called Warren Buffett up and I said, listen, Warren, we're probably going to lose $4 a share. And I think you should be, be aware of that. But I said, our capital position's good. And, you know, reality is I'd like to invest more in our customers. And we did. And we invested in our customers and we because a lot of our benefits were travel related. And so what we did was we put in streaming benefits and shipping benefits and uh, cell cellular benefits and things like that. We put in some dining benefits, like takeout. And that really worked. And what we saw was our card members, res you know, really responded to that and our retention numbers went up. And so as we came out of the pandemic, we had a card base that was with us. Our customers were um, really engaged with us. And, you know, we started to grow. And, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we grew revenue 17%, 25%, and then just this year, almost 15%. So I think, you know, the lesson from that is take care of your colleagues. They'll take care of your customers. And if you can work with your customers and engage with your customers, they'll stay loyal to you. And that's what happened. I mean, you're in a unique position because Berkshire Hathaway has a 21% stake in American Express. You had to get your biggest shareholder on board. Did he support your plans to invest more? Yeah, well, he's there's nobody that is a better long-term investor than Warren. And Warren's advice to me is take care of the brand and take care of the customers. And so you take care of the brand and take care of the customers by investing. And, you know, reality is, is that, you know, as we looked on that dark day in April, when it looked like we were going to lose $4 a share, I could have easily cut people, cut other expenses, and maybe we lose two fifty. But that's not long-term thinking. That is short-term thinking. And by investing in our customers and investing in our colleagues, it really made the difference. And it put us on a growth trajectory. I think the, the other issue that you had there was just <clears throat> this idea of zigging when everybody else was zagging. You, you added all these benefits, and you probably were able to do it a lot more cheaply because everybody else was disappearing. Yeah, and what happens is with us, 
partnerships are critical to us, right? I mean, you know, we talk about our model. Our model's a little bit different than everybody else because, well, look, JP Morgan's a great company, Visa's a great company, MasterCard, et cetera. We have not only the issuing side of the business, we have the network side of the business, and we have the acquiring side of the business. So we had relationships with the AT&Ts, with the Verizons, with you know, UPS and FedEx and so forth. And we were able really to work with people um, who were willing to and wanted to provide value uh, to our customers, and we provided value as well. And so that really worked out very, very well for us. But did it take a pandemic or a crisis of some sort to make people think a little differently about wrapping some of these rewards in? Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting, right? Because a lot of our benefits, in fact, were... Uh, travel-related benefits, and that's worked really well for us. And so I think what happened was it opened our eyes to that the package of benefits doesn't need to just be travel-related. The package of benefits, which really drives our membership model, those benefits can be more inclusive. And so that's what we've done. So we have Amex offers, um, and we embed various uh, benefits within our various cards, whether our business platinum card has a, a Dell benefit or an Adobe benefit, or we have a Saks benefit in the, in the platinum card. But we started to think even broader, and, and that really helped us out. Now, when the company moved to change some benefits, as it did with the Delta Airlines things last year, Delta changed that, ticked off a lot of people because they started saying you could only use the lounge so many times, get so many benefits. They have uh, changed things up. They made some new changes this, uh, just yesterday, but that was a key thing, too. Uh, when you pull back and try and make things a little more exclusive again, you get some blowback. CEO's, uh, they're, he's here, so yeah. I guess people know he's playing. Okay. I, my partner yesterday. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I did. Now, I'm not calling him a sandbagger, and CEOs don't necessarily want to be great golfers because they're supposed to be CEOs. Mm -hmm. But I, I have to say, three natural birdies he got yesterday. Mm -hmm. Almost got a hole in one on seven. Yeah, he told me. It's about eight inches <laughs> in, in a driving wind in, into our face. And on 18, is, are you allowed to? I, I, I'm going to say Xander hit a couple of balls in the ocean, Xander Shoffley. Uh -huh. So he was left all alone and ended up five for four, even though his pro got an eight to maintain his, his great. So it lights out yesterday. So I got to give Fantastic. him. Fantastic. Yeah. Really amazing. Shout out. I'll probably get in trouble for, but you know, you do great. Channel. You got yeah. it. <laughs> Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, the Wall Street Journal's Joanna Stern joins the Squawk set with Apple's new Vision Pro in hand. Everyone in the journal offices kept coming by laughing at me. More on if it's worth the $3,500 price tag. Yesterday I worked in it for about an hour, two hours, and I preferred using this than the crappy monitor I have on my desk. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. 
Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew. Apple's new Vision Pro uh, coming out this morning. And, uh, well, I'm wearing one right now. Joanna Stern from Wall Street Journal is here this morning. You've been playing with this thing a lot. I played with it a little bit, not nearly as much as you. It's a little weird to do the interview like this. But, you know, the, but you can see me fine, the right? crazy part is I can see you yep. through this, but not through glass. It's actually a camera that's looking at you that's then reflecting onto screens inside here. Exactly. It's kind of an amazing thing. So I look thing. a little pixelated, but I look, I look pretty real. Pretty real. Yeah. No, it's extraordinary. Yeah. I think this is an extraordinary device, but you are, you are the tech columnist and expert. How extraordinary or not is it? Well, I mean, the best thing is watching someone put this on for the first time because it is a wow moment. It does feel magical. And as you're saying right now, you're seeing me, yep. but if you were to start to operate in the operating system, get around there, you wouldn't need these, right? This is the MetaQuest 3. Right. These are controllers. You don't need this big clunky, these big clunky controllers and this headset to pair with it. You just use your hands. Right. And so you get around, you look at what you want to tap on, you tap well, this the is the most amazing part. And guys, just I wish you guys could see this. So all you have to do is look up. Like I'm looking up and I'm, I'm clicking on things and then and I move my eyes and now I'm, I'm clicking on the next one because I've moved my eyes to that. It's unbelievable. Exactly. And that, I, that's I, really I, Does it make you at all dizzy? IPhone. Oh, uh, Becky wants in, does I Does it think. make you, uh, I, only because Becky I, it, just, does it make you at all dizzy, Andrew? Not dizzy, no. I was, I was in this yesterday for about an hour. And I'm not not dizzy. I would say the only thing, my biggest downside, if there's a downside, is just the weight of it. I, I think I, after an hour, it was sort yeah. of enough for an hour. But I'd be very happy to put it back on yeah. again later. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I, look, I really pushed myself. My video review, I tried to wear this thing for 24 hours. No one, no one should do that at home, I, I, I warn you. <laughs> right. But the reason I did that was to try to push the, the device and see you know, the battery life and see what you could really do in here all day. I think the maximum really for most people is going to be one to two hours. And that, look, that's, that's the length of a movie. But also, I should say, if you're laying down right. and you're watching a movie, and you right. mentioned the, the airplane seat before. Oh, my God. If you're laying down. Wouldn't that and, be mind-blowing on an airplane? Exactly. If you're laying down, and I've watched a full-length movie on here, it's, it, you can go longer. And the, the real restriction is that battery right now. That did battery you, you're wearing from your head, that's going to only, only last like, two to three did hours. Did you like watching? Do you prefer to watch a film in here? then you would watch one on a big screen at home? It's a tough question because the big screen at home is more of a collaborative experience. I can watch with my family. Here is right. a solo experience. It is isolating, but there are many times where you want to watch by yourself, when right. you're on a plane, when you're sick in bed, when your partner doesn't want to watch at that time and you're watching your series or you know, you've decided to right. jump ahead in the series. And okay, so at, at $3,500 and possibly more because the case is about $200 and you might want some of the accessories and if you have glasses, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, of, this is a pricey item. There's some add-ons. There okay. are absolutely so you have uh, the Oculus, the Quest over here. This is the Quest 3. The Quest 3. Yep. How much is that? What's the price tag on that? This starts at $500. Okay. So today, if you had an option between buying that and buying this, and I know that the Apple folks would say they're not in competition with that, and I'm, sh and I'm sure the Meta people would say that they are not in competition with this at the moment. Look, is it the same category? Absolutely. But this is really like looking at those early days where this is the BlackBerry and that is the iPhone. And that, look, there's a much bigger price gap right now. But when you put this, on, put this one on first. Right. 
look through it. Here. Right? Well, this isn't powered on now, you okay. know, the whole thing. But yep. look, feel it. But I mean, the, right, the weight. I've, yeah. I've used this before. I don't want you to throw it because I'm scared. I think we that should you'll... throw it live on air. Here we go. Here, Here we, we go. go. But you will feel the difference. Right. And it's just not comparable. Yes, you can do more things actually right now in that quest. You can play more games. Right. You can do a lot more things. But this is the platform that they're building on for the future. So now, hold on, I got to close out of something because you're, you're covered. Yeah, but they, I've got oh, I don't these have controllers. The, the hands. I don't right. have the hands. And this is, this is the thing. I mean, you can set that up for hand tracking. Right. You can. It is nothing, as, it is nothing like that. It is not as seamless as using the Okay, Vision so Pro. the question is, are you buying this? For, for, for $3,500 today? Am I personally? Would you? Look, I've been reviewing it. I have to say the big test for me now is if, if I'm going to miss using this. Yesterday, okay. I worked in it for about an hour, two hours, and I preferred using this than the crappy monitor I have on my desk. You did, right. I did. I did. I have been working in this a lot. I wrote my review in this. I've been writing my scripts in this. You can place windows everywhere. You get a bigger monitor. So for me, look, I haven't made the decision if I'm personally going right. to buy it yet. I will say that. But that's but a game changer. It, for working, I really do think it is. Now, I will say, everyone in the journal offices kept coming by, laughing at me, taking pictures, pointing and laughing. But do you think people laughing. are going to be in offices all wearing these? I don't know about all, but people will be. People right. will be in offices wearing these. Okay, Absolutely. one last thing. So Nick Bilton wrote a piece in Vanity Fair, and at the end, he wrote something that I, I actually felt and experienced yesterday. Yep. He said the problem was actually when you took it off. Because it's so vibrant in there. It's, it, it feels so magical in there. It really, I can't even describe it, that when you're in re real, the reality of like life, I mean, you're like, I want to go back in there. What he said resonated with me because I wore this for like 24 hours straight. And when I came out, I was like, what is life? What is reality? And this is the future we're looking at. And I think there's a lot of questions about it. But also, as he mentioned, there's that addiction, right? right. You want more. You want more. Well, you everything's so vibrant in there. There's like the colors are, are just more, right? And, and you mentioned that about watching movies. I mean, yep. We watch this together. What is the isolation going to be right. like as well? Okay. Um, thank you for coming in this morning. Of it's course. fascinating. We're going to see uh, how many people go out and get this thing. But it, it does feel like something big is happening here. Joanna, thank you. Hey, Andrew, those... Uh those glasses look weird. I, I guess you don't you, you don't really wear them out uh, necessarily in public or anything like at a bar or something, right? I mean, they, they, you they do look not like wear them at like a bar. The, they look like the fly. I, I said to Becky, Andrew looks like he tested his teleportation device, and there was like a fly was in the device, and you came out, and it was like you know how the cells start taking over, and then yep. Jeff Goldblum. It's a weird looking thing, isn't it? But it's like wearing ski it's, goggles. It's, I mean, it looks like you're wearing ski goggles that look a little different than that, but sure. It's for, it's for you. It's for the person. It's, it's for you. Yeah, it's not, not for them. Be, Though you're the not Apple be device, out, out what, what you couldn't see is that you can see my eyes looking at you through the thing, which is amazing. And it's not really through it. It's projecting. So it has cameras inside that are looking at your eyes. And then on the outside has a screen that's projecting your eyes. I don't think you can describe it. Do you understand what, what the well, feeling is? I read a lot of stuff on it. The one thing Neelay Patel wrote in The Verge was that, it, you know, is it worth messing your hair up every time you put it on and off? And that was a guy writing it. And I thought, whoa, that's going to be a heavy lift. I think but my hair is looking very, like it's very nice. Cool for some stuff. It did. You're, well, you you got, I don't know. You, you, saw nice you, got a, you got a good cut. Elon Musk wrote, uh, I posted something about it, and Elon Musk wrote that nobody looks good wearing a VR headset. So. <laughs> oh, Really? <laughs> 
That was his post to me, and I I wrote him back that a lot of people have been telling me how great I look and and saying they kept saying, Jonathan, you look great. So that was my my response. (laughs) Next on Squawk Pod, we're on site at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and a lot has changed. AT&T CEO John Stanky. We have hopes that because of the better field, we're going to see what is what have been historically pretty strong ratings for golf, even stronger. But it's also, does it bring the right individuals into the event? Plus, what he sees for the future of telecom. I expect five years from now, you won't talk about my cable company or my home internet company and my mobile company. You'll be talking about who puts me on the internet. And AT&T needs to be the best company putting people on the internet. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin now out of the goggles of the Vision Pro. Uh, but life looks still pretty good. Becky Quick and Joe Kernan, life is looking really good for them. They're on the West Coast this morning, live from the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Vivid and live in living color. There is a shift happening in professional golf. And there's one that's noticeable right here at the Clambake this year, the AT&T Pro-Am attracting more elite players, which means more emphasis on the game than on entertainment. With us right now is John Stanky. He's the CEO of AT&T, which has sponsored this event since 1986. John, uh, thanks for, for being here with us. Morning, both of you. It's good to be here. Uh, this, this is a very different feel this year than it's been it in years in the past. Um, big changes that AT&T was kind of pushing behind the scenes, too. You, you put down a lot more money to make it a bigger purse, to draw a lot more of the pros here that hadn't been coming in the past, cut down on the celebrities that were here. Um, and the whole thing has a different elevated feel. I, I know it's an important time for companies to be looking at their marketing spend, their advertising yeah. dollars, what they get for it. Why don't you talk a little bit about what happened, what went into the changes that are here this time? Well, just like everybody else, I don't think professional golf is insulated from disruption, and there's a little bit going on in it. And uh, the good news is we've been doing this for 39 years here. We have some really good partners we work with, including the PGA Tour and Monterey Peninsula Foundation, the Pebble Beach Company, and we all put our heads together and said we need to do some things differently given the environment that's occurring. And it's really clear quality is important, and the way you get quality in golf is you get the best field possible. And so the format changes uh, were effective in doing that. You know, this is the best field we've ever had at this event. I think it's probably one of the best fields that has shown up in professional golf recently. And it's really uh, focused on trying to make sure that they have a place that they can come and compete at the highest level. And then the unique add-on here is what we're able to do in a B2B side to be able to get key decision makers in place with our company as well as others in other industries. That intermixing allows for tremendous contact, uh, relationship work, idea spawning, obviously business development, and that's a, that's a good thing for us. Pebble Beach always deserved this, this field because it is, I would say, the number one brand uh, in terms of, of course, in the, in the world. Yeah, 
I would agree with you. And I think if you ask the players, this is the place they want to come play, right? So 48 out of 50, you look at what the Saudis were willing to pay to have a a John Rahm or to have the top 48. So you know what they're worth. They need to be here. I I think this, I look at that, it says AT&T and then it says Pebble Beach. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah, for 39 years. And, uh, you know, it's good. uh, I'm glad we're able to get a formula that we think is a better, more structured formula that makes sense right now. And, you know, we're anxious going forward to see if we can kind of keep that formula right. But every dollar's tight, as we know now, and I know I've watched you in action, and the share price, I don't know if I've ever seen a CEO that did, I mean, that is your singular focus. There's no BS. That's absolutely right. And so you have to, uh, you know, you're looking at every dollar and whether or not it's effective. And just like anybody else, I buy a product, right? I'm the sponsor in this case. I'm buying a product. And so you want to know what you're buying. And you have to build multiple years of experience doing these things. A degree of uncertainty is not good. It, it leads you to not know exactly what you're going to be getting in future years. And the faster the golf kind of settles in, it gets its point to we're pretty clear on what the product is we can deliver two years from now. I think that's going to be better for sponsors and allows me to allocate that capital better. How important was the deal that was announced this week with the PGA and the group of billionaires who are investing more money into this, um, trying to make sure that the players get some some huge portion of that, too? Yeah, I, obviously, I see it from the sponsorship side. I'm not doing the business development side for the tour. I, they clearly view it as being very important and having capital right now in this space is very important. Um, I think the way I would judge it as to whether or not it's important and relevant is, you know, what happens to get that certainty in the game? How do we get to the certainty of the product that's going to show up every year? And if it helps that to occur, then it's been very important. How will you judge this to, as to whether or not this experiment was a success? Is it enough to have the field here? Is it, what are the things play into this? What, what's going to be your determination in deciding whether this is worth your money? It's not just having the field. The field is an element of it. It's certainly a precursor to getting good television exposure, which drives the right kind of brand exposure. You know, that's certainly an element of what we look at. We have hopes that because of the better field, we're going to see what is what have been historically pretty strong ratings for golf, even stronger. But it's also what we talked about earlier, which is, does it bring the right individuals into the event? And as you see, there's a lot of people around here that you get access to, you're able to do business with, you're able to create ideas with, you're able to solve problems for, which is good for our business and on balance. Does that warrant the investment in, in the event? And um, that's kind of how you look around the whole, the whole picture. AT&T, I, I can remember one that long ago, um, it, it, there have been multiple times to invest in, in AT&T, and it's, it's changed so many times over the past 30 or 40 years since, yes, since it has. I was at Merrill Lynch. What will AT&T, what do you want it to be in five years, and, and how do you get there, and how do you beat your, your, your competition? We are at a very interesting inflection point in communications right now where we have historically kind of built networks for purpose, wireless networks for mobile purpose, fixed networks for home broadband, fixed networks for businesses. The technology's gotten so good right now that, as you know from your own personal behavior, you expect to go someplace and be connected, no matter where you are. If you're up in an airplane, down in a canyon, at home, we're going into the convergence realm. And so I expect AT&T to be the best converged communications provider in the United States. And we have the right asset base to do that. And we're investing 
in all the mobile infrastructure that's necessary. We're investing in the fixed infrastructure. We're the largest fiber provider in the United States. We're investing in a clip that's faster than anybody else in the industry to make sure that we can do that. And uh, I expect five years from now, you won't talk about my cable company or my home internet company and my mobile company. You'll be talking about who puts me on the internet. And AT&T needs to be the best company putting people on the internet. Then who are your competitors as a result of that? Well, today there's probably you know a solid five that are in that space. I, I don't expect that as you get to a converged structure that that will hold. I think there's gonna have to be asset restructuring over time. In our case, we play the organic card because we have the asset base to grow from. But if you're a cable company running wireless service or you're a wireless company needing to find fiber to pick up the massive amount of traffic that's coming in off of cell sites and you don't own fiber infrastructure, you got to do asset reorientation. Meaning, meaning M&A. M&A, yeah. yeah. Con consolidation, right? And so I, I do think there'll be some consolidation in the industry over the next decade to basically allow for that to happen. You think Washington will allow that consolidation? I think if they're smart, they will because... Well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You can always hope, Joe. I'm, I'm an optimist. You know, yeah, you, got, nature, you, right? say, you better say nice things. I, look, I, uh, I think if they're, it's a capital-intensive industry, and we're not making new news here. Do you think current regulators in, in M&A are smart in Washington right now? I think right now they probably need to do a little bit of work in this area. It's clear that in telecommunications policy, we've got some open questions we need to move through. But, you know, overly, over time... They figure it out. That, that almost sounds like you're talking against yourself, though. If your plan is to grow organically and the idea is other players will consolidate, that's tougher competition for you to have bigger players coming against I, and after you. It's a capital-intensive industry that requires billions of dollars investment every year. We, we put $24 billion in the ground last year, and we'll do something pretty close to that again this year. It's every year. And you want good structure in an industry to do that. And I think the, to the extent that you do that, then you get the right kind of state-of-the-art networks that can grow with capacity, that allow people to continue to use the services and they want to use it in the way they want to use it. So I, uh, I absolutely think it would be healthy for the industry. For in that five years, will you be investing more or less than $24 billion a year? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what that brings, Joe. I don't think it's going to be dramatically different than that. I think historically as a percentage of revenues in our business, somewhere around 15% of revenues reinvestment in the business every year has been necessary to stay state-of-the-art with technology. Certainly what we're seeing develop in the cloud and how we're seeing hyperscaler infrastructure work, we, we may see some moderation on that, but um, I'm not betting on it. Yeah. Will Lily still be around? I'm sure she'll be around somewhere. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I hope for her sake she is. Yeah, absolutely. No, I just wonder if I'm still going to be, you know, watching her. Uh, she, she talks to some amazing people on there. You got, you got uh, Jeter, which is awesome. Right. Well, you know, we uh, we have a lot of stories to tell, and we need a lot of people to do it. So I'm sure you'll see a variety of a great, uh, approaches to how one. we communicate. John, after you guys reported earnings, the stock was down uh, on the outlook for the year. What what are you seeing just in terms of the strength of consumer? I, I don't think you've seen consumers not paying their phone bills at, at any point recently. Yeah. So the, immediately after earnings, there was a little volatility in the stock. I think it, it bounced right back up. About a day and a half later, there's a lot of technical things going on in the market. And as we've been repositioning the business, we're working hard to get more institutional ownership into the stock. And we are making progress around that. Probably don't have as much as I'd like. 
volatility therefore tends to be a little bit higher and I think we saw a little bit of that as everybody digested the results they ultimately got through it um, you know look what what I see going forward right now and and where I see the business um, I'm really optimistic about what we're able to bring forward I, I'm absolutely was pleased with our earnings release I think we hit every box that we put out in front of the investment community for 23 and exceeded the vast majority of them so I stepped back from it and I felt really good about what we saw there. And I think uh, the way the market saw it as they processed through the earnings, they saw increased cash flow. Just like we said there'd be. They saw margin improvement. They saw growth in the business. Um, they saw a guide moving forward that did that. They saw some technical issues around earnings decline that are being driven by non-cash related issues, pension accounting. They saw some dynamics on some ex uh, accelerated depreciation because we are modernizing parts of the network faster in order to have better services. They got through all that and they're back on the fundamentals and the fundamentals of the business is growing in broadband, the business is growing in wireless, customers are spending more with us, they're staying longer with us, the business is in a really strong place. Competitors that have outpaced uh, AT&T in terms of share price or market share or whatever, are they not investing what they need? Will that come home to roost eventually or do they have some magic sauce? I remember uh, how great MCI was doing for a while, and then we finally figured out, well, that's how they did it. But, I mean, how is it happening? Well, first of all, we are all in on convergence, and we're building infrastructure that's both fixed and mobile. There are some that are still playing exclusively a mobile card or exclusively a fixed card, and as I said, running wireless infrastructure. But that'll, I think you're making a, the right moves for the, for the long term. And that's it, the bet, right? And uh, if you believe that bet, and it's obviously, I think, as I said, we're at an inflection point, and there's investors watching to see which one plays out. We feel really confident in the direction we're heading. I, I was glancing at some results that were printed this morning from one of our competitors, and I don't have quarterly results of envy, nor do I have annual results envy of what I saw come in across the wire. I really like what I see and what we're doing. And the dividend, people don't need to worry at this point. You're in a right. solid place. So that. if you go no, back to 23 and you think about the other progress that was made, Joe, you know, yeah. not only is coverage better, balance sheet is continuing to shrink. We'll be at two and a half times adjusting that debt to EBITDA by the midpoint of next year. You know, I feel really good about the momentum on it. Everybody should feel good about the equity dynamic and the dividend dynamic being more secure in this company, not less secure based on what we saw in results in 23. Excellent. Thank you for being with us today, John. We yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. And you got Thanks. the, John, the, the, the Pebble Beach momentum on, on top of it. Here we go. The, Let's the, hope the, for a great the, weekend. It's just a lot, of, a lot of things seem to be clicking. Thank on, you for on that. All cylinders. You're welcome. And that's the pod for today and the week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you leave us a review. It really helps us out. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You 
ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com.